Shalom, this is Abigail Rock. Welcome to TanakhStudy.com. Today's unit is a very interesting unit. Up until now, from the time the brothers have come down to Egypt, everything we have been told about Yosef, everything Yosef was doing, everything Yosef was concerned with, had to do with his family. From the, fa from the time Yosef's brothers had arrived in Egypt, we're only told about Yosef's dealings with his family. In today's unit, we actually get to see Yosef at work. We had seen Yosef at work at the very beginning when he was collecting food during the seven years of plenty. Now we're in the middle of the seven years of famine, and Yosef has to handle the crisis of starvation in the land of Egypt. So let's begin chapter 47, verse 11. Yosef had settled his father and his brothers, and he had given them a possession of land in the land of Egypt, best of the land of in the land of Ramses, as Paro had commanded. Yosef provides for his father and for his brothers and for the entire household food, bread according to the needs of the children, or according to the amount of of children per family. After describing what Yosef does on behalf of his family, the following 13 psukim are going to describe to us what is happening in the rest of the land in Egypt. There is no bread in the entire land, for the famine is a heavy, severe famine. And then we have this strange word, Vatela, which is a very unclear word. What, is, what does this word Vatela mean? Radak Rabbi David Kimchi, a Spanish linguist, suggests that Vatela means to go crazy. It's to, be, it's to go insane as a result of the famine. The people are going insane. Hallucination, madness is a well-known effect as a result of malnutrition. Yosef collects all the money that is found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, money that was used to, buy, to purchase food, and the money that he had collected he brings to the house of Paro. The Ramban tells us that the main point of this pasuk is trying to make to tell us of the fine character traits of Yosef and how trustworthy Yosef is. Yosef could have easily taken from the money there's so much money that's going through the hands of Yosef, he could have easily taken some home, but he brings it all to the house of Paro, where he is a trustworthy person. This is a very nice idea of Ramban. However, we'll see within context, it, this, is not what the, this is not the main point of the Pasuk. This Pasuk is describing the first stage, the first few years of the famine. In the first few years, there is enough money for the Egyptians to purchase food. That's how they sustain themselves. They've purchased with their money food from Yosef. This stage is about to end. In the very next verse, we're going to be told that the Egyptians have no money left. They already had used up all their money in order to buy food in the first few years of the famine. And now they're stuck with no money left. And that is exactly what's described in verse 15. When the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Yosef and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in your presence? 
for we have no more money. And we're about to see there are several stages in the famine. So the first stage is they buy with their money food. Second stage is there is no more money left. What is going to be the solution for that? Verse 16, Yosef says, give me your cattle and I will give you food in return for your cattle if you have no more money. They bring Yosef their cattle, and Yosef in return gives them bread for their horses, and, and for their flocks, and for their cattle, and for their donkeys, and he controls the, the food with, their, with the cattle that they provide in that year. However, this is a limited and temporary solution. At some point, the Egyptians run out of cattle, and now they need to find another solution in order to receive food. And that's described in Pesuk Yitzchet, verse 18. That year was over. And they come to Yosef the following year, and they say, we are not withholding anything back from our master. We have no more money, and we have no more cattle. Nothing is left. All we have left is our bodies and our lands. And they continue telling Yosef, verse 19, and here, it is not Yosef that thinks of the solution. Rather, it is the people who are thinking of the solution. And they say, why should we die in front of your eyes? Us and our lands. If we die, there's not going to be anyone to work the land. Purchase us and our lands in return for food. And give us grain, seed, and we will live and not die. And the land will not become desolate. So the people here are at a dire strait situation. They offer to sell themselves at, as slaves to Pharaoh and their lands in return for seed. They're at, they don't have any grain to plant. And once they are slaves to Pharaoh, it becomes the Pharaoh's responsibility to make sure that they are fed. And in order to make this an attractive proposition to Yosef, they tell Yosef that by uh, agreeing to this deal, that we will be your servants and we will work your, the lands that belong that will belong now to Paro, the land will not become desolate. Otherwise, the lands the land is going to go to waste because we don't have any grain left to plant. However, if you purchase us and you purchase our land and you will give us grain, we will plant that grain in your land. So you will have now land that is planted and we will not die. And I was saying, So this is a, a deal that works very well for both of us. We won't die, and you will have, on your land, you will have grain. Verse 20, Yosef agrees to this. Yosef purchases all the lands of Egypt on behalf of Paro. For the Egyptians had sold each one his plot of land, for the famine was very severe, and the entire land was now owned by Pharaoh.
And here it seems that Yosef is moving populations around. He's relocating the Egyptians from one area to a different area, from one end of Egypt to a different end of Egypt. Rashbam explains the rationale of Yosef in doing so is so that it is, becomes very clear that they no longer own their lands, that the lands are owned now by Pharaoh, and a person generally feels an attachment to his land as long as he's living on this land, and therefore he, he relocates them so that it becomes very clear that they are no longer the owners of the land they had used to own. At this point, the Torah goes on to describe what had happened with the land owned by priests of Egypt. As opposed to the commoners, the priests did not lose their land, and the priests were sustained and provided for. Verse 22. Yosef does not purchase the land owned by the Kohanim, by the priest, for it was the law that the Kohanim are sustained and supported by the people of the king. Therefore, it was unnecessary for the priest to sell their land, for they did not suffer from starvation as they had their rights within the law. Verse 23, the text after describing what ha the situation with the priests, goes back to what's going on with the people. Yosef turns to the people and says, I had purchased you and your lands to Pharaoh. Here is seed, and sow the land. Plant the seeds in the land. And once you harvest the grain, you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four-fifths keep to yourself, of which you should use some to replant, and the rest to eat for you, your family, your household, and your children. The Egyptians, upon hearing this offer, respond in verse 25, The Egyptians thank him and said, You had sustained us. You had saved our life. May we find favor in your eyes. And we will be slaves to Paro. Verse 26. And Yosef had established this as a law until this very day regarding the land of Mitzrayim. The fifth of the produce goes to Paro with the exclusion of the lands of the Kohanim, which Paro does not receive any of its produce. Verse 27 goes back to telling us what is happening with Yaakov and his family. Am Yisrael settled in the land of Egypt in Goshen. They took possession of the land, and they multiply in the land. And with this, the parasha ends. Okay, so we have several issues to discuss in this seemingly insignificant portion, this unit which describes the economic strategy of Yosef. The unit describes the food distribution system, a system that guarantees that no one will die of hunger, that everyone can can purchase food, whether it is in return for your cattle, whether it is return for your land, whether it is the person himself is going to be working for Paro. We have a brief mention of the policy regarding the priests who are not obligated to give up the land, so how they were sustained. 
And the question here is clear. Why does the Torah go on to describe in several psukim Yosef's management of the famine? So I'd like to offer several different answers to this question. For one, perhaps this really is the fulfillment of the dreams that Yosef had interpreted for Paro. In Paro's dream, he had envisioned both cattle and grain, who, which are going to be sustaining the nation during the years of famine. And here Yosef is making sure that the nation is being sustained during the seven years of famine. In addition, by presenting to the reader the great contribution of Yosef to the economy and saving the Egyptians to the extent that the Egyptians are using terms of hecheyetanu, you had saved our life, this emphasizes later on in the beginning of Sefer Shemot the lack of gratitude that was demonstrated by the Egyptians when we read the verse in the beginning of Sefer Shemot, and one of the explanations for that is there's a new king upon Egypt who did not know Yosef, who did not show gratitude to Yosef, who preferred to forget the great contribution of Yosef. We can only appreciate that verse by recognizing that indeed Yosef was a great contribution both to Paro as a king, to the assets of Paro, and to the nation, the Egyptians, as far as saving them their lives. Thirdly, and this is an idea that's developed by the Ramban, that this unit telling us about Yosef's behavior actually describes to us Yosef's morality and how Yosef is not only is he honest, where it says that he gives everything to Paro, all the money that goes through him, he makes sure to give to Paro. In addition to that, Ramban adds, the people had offered to be slaves to Paro and Yosef only accepts their land to be owned by Paro, but does not. It, it's not clear whether or not he accepts them. If we read in verse 19, the people say, Why should we die, us and our lands? Purchase us and our lands. Our lands and us will belong to Paro. And the following verse says, Yosef only purchases the land. He does not purchase them as slaves. So Yosef is presented here as a very moral person who does not take advantage more than necessary. He buys them and they work the land. The land is owned by Paro. And, and in the same story, Yosef's morality is continued to be demonstrated when we see the proportions divided up by Yosef, which proportion should go to Paro and which proportion do the people get to keep to themselves. We would think that the owner of the land, Paro, should keep the majority. And yet Paro only receives 20%, whereas the nation can keep the remaining 80%. And the people recognize that this is a very moral behavior. And they respond by this cry out, Hecheyetanu, you have saved our lives. So perhaps this entire unit is actually coming to tell us of Yosef's morality in treating the people of Egypt where he could have dealt with them in a much harsher way and he actually looks out for their needs and this will be very significant when we see the way the Egyptians treat the Jews. However, I think the introductory verses and the closing verse actually tells us that the message of this unit is something entirely different.
the verses that appear immediately before the description of Yosef's management of the land of Egypt are verses that are describing Yosef getting his family settled in the land of Goshen. And here I want us to go back and read chapter 47, verse 11 through 13. Vayoshev Yosefet Avivet Echa Vaitanam Achuza Beeretz Mitzrayim Bemeitav Haaretz Beeretz Ramses Kasher Tziva Faro Vayechalkel Yosefet Avivet Echa Vet Kol Beit Aviv Lechem Lefi Hataf Yosef settles his family, his brothers and his father, in the land of Goshen, in the finest of the land, as Paro had commanded, and he supports his father and his brothers according to the, uh, the members of the family. I believe the verses that describe Yosef's management of the Egyptians actually come in contrast to how Yosef manages his family. As opposed to the Egyptians, who have to lose their land and give up their land, Yosef's family is receiving land, and they take possession of the land. They are vayeachzuba. They get, and not just some odd ordinary land, they are receiving the best, the finest of the land. As opposed to the Egyptians who are giving up their independence and are giving up everything they own in order to receive food, Yosef is the one that's looking out for his brothers. Vayechalkel Yosef. He is sustaining them. He is supporting his, his brothers. They are receiving lechem. As opposed to the Egyptians who are giving paro grain in order to sustain themselves, Yosef here is giving grain for his brothers. And if we look at some of the words, we'll see that the contrast is very clear. When the brothers are introduced to Paro, Yosef brings miktzechav, of his brothers, some of his brothers, katzeh. It is not a very common word, but it also appears, this word, describing the Egyptians who have to relocate. In verse 21, So this word miktzeh is described in reference to when the brothers want to ask for the land of Goshen, and it is the same word, is used when in describing the Egyptians who have to be relocated from their land. The brothers of Yosef are receiving land, and the, here the Egyptians are losing their lands. Regarding the cattle, the brothers come up to Paro and say, we are, we are shepherds, we own cattle, and Paro tells Yosef, Put your brothers in the land of Goshen, and in verse 6, Paro tells Yosef that you should appoint your brothers as officers of my mikneh. So not only do they come with their own mikneh, but they, their business is booming. They're going to be in charge of the royal cattle. And let's see what's happening to the Egyptians. Verse 16, after the Egyptians complained that they have no food left. So actually, the people complain that they don't have enough food. And Yosef tells them, Give me your cattle, and in return, I will give you food. Now what's going to happen with this cattle? This cattle is going to become part of Paro's farm. The more cattle Paro is in his farm, the greater their the brother's business is going to grow now. Yosef, in verse 12, is supporting, is providing for his brothers, lechem, he gives them lechem, as opposed to the people who have no bread, and they come to Yosef and say, havalanu lechem. So we have several words here that indicate that these two stories are a mirror image of each other, and the 
more destitute the Egyptian are becoming, the more successful the brothers of Yosef are becoming. And the question is, what is the, what is the meaning of all of this? It seems that Yosef's policy is not uh, just to be understood as a as a policy to save the Egyptian economy. Perhaps Yosef's main objective is not relating to Egyptians, but it's relating to his family. Yosef views his role in Mitzrayim not only as a role to save the Egyptian economy, not only to be the one who interprets and implements Paro's dreams, but he also has his own dream. In his own dream, he is a leader. If at first Yosef interpreted his own dreams in a self-centered, egocentric way, everyone is bowing down, serving him, now he reinterprets his dream as his role to provide for the family. He understands his dreams and him being in the center as a responsibility and as a role of leadership as, a, as opposed to a role of honor and glory. Now Yosef understands and that is really to look out and care for his brothers, as he said explicitly in chapter 45, verse 7. I've been sent here by God to make sure that you survive and you live. Yosef knows he's not going to be around forever. Yosef also knows that they're going to be in Egypt for a very long time, that there's going to be a long exile. The fact that they were going to be in exile was not a secret. It was well known, as a matter of fact, before Yosef dies, the last two psukim of Sefer Bereshit, chapter 50, verse 24. I'm dying and eventually you will be redeemed and taken out of this land. These verses clearly indicate that the brothers knew of the exile, and Yosef wants to try to do whatever he possibly can in order to make the conditions of exile as bearable as possible, as comfortable as possible. Yosef can't cancel the decree of exile, but he could try to do whatever is in his hands to make it the, the years of exile as comfortable as possible. And how does he do that? So in order to avoid situations of slavery, he makes sure that his brothers have the upper hand. His brothers are the ones that have land as opposed to everyone else that will not have land. He makes sure that he, the brothers are the ones that have the cattle. The brothers are the ones that have assets. The brothers are the wealthy ones in the land. The brothers are not needy. Others will need them. If we look at it, what he really does, Yosef makes his makes his brothers into the natives in the land, and everyone else is turned into gerim, into foreigners in their own land. Yosef puts his brothers in such a situation that they clearly have the upper hand in the land. Yosef knows how difficult it is for an immigrant to establish himself in a new land. We know this from the story of Avraham in Parashat Chayisara, when he tries with great difficulty to purchase a piece of land in order to bury his wife Sarah. A life of an immigrant in a new land is extremely difficult and Yosef wants to make sure his brothers have an advantage here. 
And the concluding verse of this of today's unit is Vayeshev Yisrael be'eretz Mitzrayim be'eretz Goshen vayachzuba vayifru vayobu me'od. It indeed it indeed succeeded. They settled as opposed to everyone else who has to travel and leave their land. Vayeshev Yisrael they settle, take possession of it, and they multiply. A foreigner, people who are traveling, can't their families can't don't multiply. This is a nation that is multiplying, that is growing in the land. He succeeds, but. We know how the story ends, and the question is, why did Yosef's plan fail? At the end of the day, they had an extremely difficult exile and a very hard slavery. Perhaps it is exactly that that caused the great hatred towards the Jews. It is Yosef's favorable treatment of his brothers. Yosef's policy had the boomerang effect. Yosef, who is trying to look out for his brothers in order to give them an advantage, is exactly that that caused the animosity and hatred of the Egyptians towards the Jews. So in this last unit, we see the great efforts taken by both Yaakov and Yosef to guarantee the spirituality of the family by choosing a secluded area, and Yosef's attempts to guarantee an economic advantage and financial stability for his brothers, uh, with a, an attempt with eventually, which in the short term might have been successful, as we see in that in the closing verse of today's unit, but in the long term, it had backfired towards Am Yisrael, which brings us to the final conclusion of today's unit, which is also true to the conclusion of the entire Sipurei Yosef, is that human beings try to avoid God's plan. Yosef is trying to figure out a plan in order to avoid the Gzeira of Kigeria Zaracha Be'eretz Lo Lahem Va'avadum Ve'inum. In the covenant of the parts, there was the decree that Am Yisrael will be a foreigners in their foreign land and they will be enslaved. He tries to avoid the foreign aspect by giving them land that and they, that they take possession of. He tries to avoid the decree of them being slaves by giving them the economic advantage and putting them in such a situation that the Egyptians will need them. And it is the Egyptians who are practically turned into slaves. And yet... Man toils, God foils, and just like in the entire Sipre Yosef, where God has a plan, man tries to outsmart the plan, but the plan at the end of the day is going to be fulfilled. As in the very beginning of the stories of Yosef, God has a plan that Am Yisrael will arrive in Egypt, or, and Yosef will rule in Egypt, and the brothers will need Yosef. The brothers try to avoid that plan by selling Yosef, ironically, it is those who think they could, with their actions, they could avoid the plan, are actually bringing the plan to fruition. The brothers who thought by selling Yosef they will be avoiding the dream, they will be outsmarting the dream, at the end of the day they bring to fulfillment of the dream. Yosef, in his actions, he thinks that he will be able to to cancel out the Gzeira. It is, it is actually this policy of Yosef that brings about the hatred towards this towards the family of Yaakov, and in Sefer Shemot, Perak Aleph, when Parot turns to his nation, chapter 1, verse 9, Parot tells the nation regarding the people of Am Yisrael, Vayomer el Amo, Hine am bnei Yisrael ra ve'atzu mimeno, Hava nitchakmalo, pen yirbe ve'aya ki tikrena milchama, ve'nosav gamu asonenu ve'nilcham banu ve'ala min ha'aretz. וישימו עליו שרי מיסים למען ענותו בסביבותם, ויבן ערי מסכנות לפרעה את פתאום ואת רעמסס. פרעה tells his nation, Behold, Am Yisrael is great and mightier than us. Let us deal with them wisely, lest they multiply, and if they shall be 
a war, they will join our enemies and fight us and will take over the land. And the Paro's plan is, and they appointed uh, tax officers in order to afflict them. And they had built storage houses for Paro, Pitom, and Ramses. Now, these three verses are extremely important verses. Yosef implements his plan that we had just studied today in order to outsmart the plan. And it ba as we said, it had backfired. The result was that Am Yisrael are, are successful, and that success causes jealousy, causes hatred. And in response to Yosef's wisdom, Yosef, who is referred to at, by Paro, Ein Chacham Venavon, there's no one as wise as you. In response to Yosef's wisdom, Paro tells the nation, let's nitzchakma, let us outsmart the plan. Let's think of a way that he should, they should multiply less. And they appoint upon Am Yisrael tax, tax officers. In our chapter, Yosef is the tax officer. In our chapter, Yosef is the one that is collecting the taxes, from, taking the 20% for the household of Paro. And he and they ha and he they're told to build Arei miskenot storage houses for Paro. In our chapter, Yosef was collecting the all the grain in the storage houses of Paro from the Egyptians, and now it is Am Yisrael who have to build these storage houses, which incidentally are in the land of are in the city of Ramses, the same city that Am Yisrael had originally settled in. So, in conclusion of today's class, today's chapter is a chapter that describes Yosef trying to benefit Am Yisrael. Everything he does in this chapter is part of his plan to lo of looking out for his family. Yosef tried to be a leader, tried to have an imp a positive impact, tried to be there for his family, and he did temporarily. The end, well, well for that you'll have to wait for Sefer Shemot.